the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want a bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is week one, and we're going to talk some season leader props for the NFL. To do it with me, I got Gilles Gallant, a.k.a. G-Dog 5000, and Brandon Anderson. I'm not going to say the G-Dog because I'm not going to say your uh, your Twitter name because it's normal. So we're just gonna t- we're just gonna call uh, <laughs> Jill by G Dog. But what's up, fellas? It's good to be here, man. Excited to talk some season leaders. I'm I'm all about the numbers and the math. So there, be, there will be numbers and math today. Be ready for it. All right, let's jump right in with passing yards. Uh, and I'll start with with you, Brandon. What do you think is the kind of target number you're looking for when you're betting on a market like this? Yeah, so I look at when I'm doing projections, kind of looking at trends in recent years. So I noticed 2017 to 2018, there's a real jump in passing numbers. So I'm really focusing just on the last four years, big jump in passing attempts. Obviously, we now have the 17th game. So last four years, we've had at least five guys that averaged a 4,800-yard pace. Our winner has averaged a 300-yard pace. So that's 5,100 yards. It's a lot of yards. We had a very tight race last year. We actually had a Tom Brady winner on the version of this podcast from a year ago. So I think basically we're looking at, we need a five in front of the number. We need a 5,000. So yeah, I'm curious, Raybun, when you do your projections, I'm mostly projecting high end here, uh, mm-hmm. just like the, the positive end outcomes more so than just a, a media and a fantasy type outcome. Do you, how do you project high end when you're looking at them? Uh, you know, without going into, well, I mean, you said you wanted to talk some math. So there are, there are kind of distributions where you can plug, um, you know, what is, what would essentially be those median projections into um, and to get a high end projection. I'm also, when I'm projecting uh, for quarterbacks, I generally still project about a half a missed game. So the first thing I'll do is, you know, put a, put his games up to 17 and then, uh, you know, kind of run it through some numbers, but yeah. uh, essentially uh, you are kind of just looking for the, the player with, um, you know, it, it's not just the highest median yardage, but, um, you know, also a, a very efficient player, you know, so you want the yards to attempt to be high because you're also projecting medians and attempts and, and, and all those things. So if the attempts, the completions, the air yards, uh, you know, if the, if the usage goes up, then you have a better shot. So, um, that's kind of how you're looking at it, but I think you're on the right track with that. You're, you're probably going to need 5,000 yards unless a lot of, a lot of high end quarterbacks, uh, get hurt. Yeah, that makes sense. So I have six guys that I project high-end outcomes at 5,000 yards. So four of them are the four favorites here. Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow. No real surprises. Like, look, we know who the good quarterbacks are. We know who's going to be near the top of these races barring an injury. I don't really feel like that's the way to play these markets, though, because it's going to be really close, and you're betting on someone at like a 7, 8, 10 to 1 odds over a long season that you got to fade the injury hope you win by like a hundred yards, hope they're not too good. So they sat out week 17. So I don't, I can't hate those bets, but I have two other guys at 5,000 mm-hmm. plus. So those, those are my bets. My top projection actually 
is Dak Prescott. And that's my top play. I have him at 1400. So like you said, I'm looking at pass attempts. I'm looking at yards per attempt. And that's where I like Dak Prescott. So he should get, I think, to about 675 attempts if he's healthy. Last two seasons, he averaged almost 40 attempts a game. So last year, his yards per attempt dropped way off. He was at 8.3 the previous two, dropped on a 7.5 last year. So if you keep the passing attempts where he's been recently and then get a little you know, spike in efficiency somewhat, probably not back that high. We know Tyron Smith is out. We know that's going to hurt the passing numbers. Amari Cooper is gone. But I think Dallas's defense, we expect to be worse this year. They're probably playing a little bit from more negative game positions, so it should be a little bit more passing there. I think Dak Prescott's volume has gone up, and we haven't quite noticed as much because the efficiency has dropped. But if that starts to balance out too, I have him at 5,181 yards. That's my my leader right now. So at plus 1,400, I got to like that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm worried about Dak in this offense. I'm, I'm hearing that they want to run the ball more because – uh, you know, the loss of, of, in the receiver room, you know, with Amari Cooper gone and Gallup, you know, obviously not starting the year right. You know, they lost and they, they just lost a lot of guys. I think they're going to run more, but um, I, I don't know. I think those splits with, with and without Tyron Smith are, are pretty scary to me more yeah. so than than anything. So I, I think I would have liked Dak a lot more uh, before <laughs> before the Tyron Smith news, especially because I still think Dallas, you know, they're still going to have a, a pretty solid defense. Um and that's another thing I kind of look for. So, um, yeah, with, with Dak, I think it, just that Tyron Smith injury, I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen the splits, but it's just it's like it's like legitimate the difference between like a, a, a good team and a bad team, a good offense and a bad offense when he's on yeah. and off the field. So, um, you know, I mean, things could go poorly for, for the Cowboys and, and that's how he hits it. But uh, I, I'd be worried about him a little bit. But who else you got? Well, I'm curious, Jill, you're our Cowboys guy. What do you mm-hmm. think of this one? I think uh, you hit it right on the head. I think both you guys did. I brought this up on a podcast uh, earlier, uh, just talking about what the what the opponent pass rush rate is when Tyron plays and when he doesn't. And it increases like on an average of like 15% uh, per game. And you don't think about it as like, oh, 15%, that shouldn't be that much. But then you just watch it at the way that the offense completely collapses when you don't have the blind side protected. And Dak needs pretty much almost everything to go right a lot of the time for him to be successful. If you even go back to two years ago when he was coming in with that ankle injury before he uh, broke uh, his foot and ankle, he was up there from a pass attempt standpoint and up there from a passing yard standpoint. But again, Tyron was missing time even in, in those games. And you could see it and it kind of cost him where maybe he was trying to do a little bit too much. But I do think the defense as well, while I would say that they are a good defense, they're the type of defense that will allow the big play. They will allow game uh, teams to get back into it, which would then lend itself to Dak having to do a little bit more offensively and racking up those passing yards. So I don't hate this play at all. All right, well, let's go from your quarterback to mine. So my other pick here is Kirk Cousins. I have him also over 5,000 yards. And I think here what you like is the Kevin O'Connell edition. It's, it's, we know what the offense is. We know who these guys are. Justin Jefferson, as good as any receiver in the NFL right now. Adam Thielen, healthy to start the year at least, as a very strong second receiver. But what you're looking for here is a Matt Ryan season from last year. Or sorry, a Matt Stafford from last year. A Matt Ryan. <laughs> like, a, a Matt Ryan. No. Yeah, no, we don't want Matt Ryan from last year. No, thank you. <laughs> so the volume should uptick here. There's a lot of talk that Minnesota could be passing more. But I think the efficiency is what you really want here. Again, Kirk Cousins. 
7.5 yards per attempt last year. He was over eight the previous two. And I think that's an area that I expect to especially take a real jump this year. The offensive line should improve. Christian Derrissaw was a big uh, leap toward the middle of the season, improving as the year went on. And I think they moved Jefferson, especially all over the field in that Cooper Cup role. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to get a lot of Vikings talk on this one. And it's not homerism. I'm usually a pessimist on my Vikings, but I just think this offense could be really good. I have an article that went up last week at Action Network ranking offenses. I have the Vikings in the top quartile of the league. I have them like seventh or eighth offensively. So Kirk Cousins is plus 2,000. Uh, I think that you, he's not going to necessarily have like a 5,500-yard ceiling. I don't think he can quite match some of these other guys, but he could be a guy that he's going to need to play all 17 and is in the mix there. I, I like that. Raybon, you like that? I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah! I like that. You like that? <laughs> oh, no, but Kirk Cousins is usually the guy. When I was asked kind of all offseason, you know, give me a give me a pick at it, like a long shot pick in this category. Kirk Cousins was the guy I'd look to as well because I think that Kevin O'Connell addition and just having Justin Jefferson is big. And then, like you said, Kirk Cousins has shown he's capable of the efficiency. He's going to have to, like, let it go deep down the field a little bit more, but he's kind of shown he can do that a little more when he has the right receiver. So he's got Irv Smith. At the tight end position, a guy who can get some yardage. So I like the Cousins play. That, that's the kind of the guy I was I would look at. Uh, and there's a couple others. I think Russell Wilson, first of all, at 25 to 1, I think is really interesting because he led the league in average depth of target last year. Now he's coming to a place where they're going to kind of open the offense up more for him. They made a concerted effort to add speed to this offense with Montreal, Washington. They're getting KJ Hamler back. Uh, even Jalen Virgil, you know, the, the uh, guy they kept uh, in the receiver room, he's a, he's a speed guy too. So they have a lot of guys who I think are, can go downfield, uh, Cortland Sutton, obviously, and uh, and Albert O even. So I, I think that he's a kind of a, a dark horse as well. And then and then Joe Burrow at 9-1. to one. I mean, I, I think the, the Bengals' defense could still be kind of – and you look at the quarterbacks that can kind of combine the efficiency with volume. And I think now with you know the Bengals improving their offensive line, I think they could go super pass heavy. I think last year, you know, we kind of complained, like, why are the Bengals running so much? But their pass rate did go up as the year progressed. And I think now with protection, this could be a team that throws, you know, 650, 700 times. And we've already seen them put up, you know, the 400 type yard game. So I think Burrow's kind of uh, uh, in play as well. Yeah, I, I like Burrow as well. You know, I think last year from week 14 forward, the Bengals jumped from something like 17th in pass rate to 7th yeah. and then up even higher if you look at the playoff numbers. Let's jump into passing touchdowns. Jill, I'm going to start with you here because I know this is your forte. Uh, what is the target number in this market? I think 40 is the magic number. I mean, you could look back even just a couple of years ago at Lamar Jackson, who led the league in passing touchdowns. And I feel like that was more of an aberration than anything. But to piggyback kind of what you guys have been talking about, I'm all in on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals this year from a passing touchdown standpoint. Um, 34 touchdowns last year. It was nine less than Brady, but he threw it 200 times less <laughs> than Brady did. So uh, there's just a lot more room for improvement. Another year recovered from the knee surgery. And you could see kind of his mobility increasing as the season went on. Um, and also last year, like tops in the NFL in accuracy and yards per pass completion. And you touched on an upgraded offensive line is going to give him more time to throw in the pocket. And also you mentioned this as well, a below average pass defense uh, that could lead to more shootouts. I think that defense is a little overrated just going on that Super Bowl run. I think there's a lot of potential here for over 40 touchdowns and I love it at 10 to one. 
Brandon, well, first of all, do you like Burrow as well? And uh, is there anyone you like in, in this market? Yeah, so I'm also looking for that kind of 40 touchdowns number. We usually have at least five guys at 37 or more in recent years. So if you can't even get to that number, then you're, you're pretty much out here. So I think Burrow, Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, and Brady, those are the four guys who are all top six odds that I think, yeah, those are right. Those are the right top six odds. I'm looking for longer plays on most of these. I'll have a few more favorites later. But the guy that I like, Tom Brady is, I have him projected at 43. The guy I have one spot below him is my top pick here. And it's back to the guy you mentioned, Raybon. It's Russell Wilson, 1600 here. I haven't projected for 42 touchdowns. So one off the lead, very much in a play there. I like Wilson better for touchdowns than yards. And here's the reason. I do worry a little bit. We don't really know what this offense will be. Nathaniel Hackett, we're not totally sure exactly, you know, what's going to look like. But the Packers were usually pretty run balanced. Obviously, Russell Wilson's teams were very run heavy. So I was thinking, well, they can't possibly pass less. His attempts have to go up. I'm not so sure that that'll happen. The, the Packers ran a lot. They also were always a very slow-paced team. What made Aaron Rodgers' numbers so good was the incredible efficiency. And that's yeah. where I think yardage may not be there with the attempts because you just have to have the volume, but touchdowns could be. So Aaron Rodgers, who has been a touchdown beast his entire career, before the last two years, had a 6.0 touchdown percentage rate. So that's like touchdowns per, per attempt. Last two years, he jumped to 9.1, which is absurd, and 7.0 last year. By the way, 6.0 is awesome. 6.0 is like all-time great. That was already how good Aaron Rodgers was, and he still put up two of his best three years ever in the offense that I expect to happen here. Russell Wilson, already good touchdown thrower, but I think if you get that uptick there in efficiency, the other thing too is a really nice schedule to start out the year. So there's a chance that Denver could get off to a great start here. This might be one of those bets where I split my bet and I, I bet it twice, half and half, in case I want to cash out somewhere along the way if I'm not feeling it. Russell Wilson, my hesitancy here is that he tends to be a fast starter and then fades toward the back half of the year. We'll see what that how that goes with the better team. But at plus 1,600, I think he is every bit in play with the other top guys here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great point about, you know, he's probably more likely in this market than the yardage market. Although you're getting a much better number in the yardage market uh, at 25 yep. to 1. But And, and I, again, he leads the league in uh, dot, so it's always possible. But like, this is right up his alley. He could throw, you know, like 43 touchdowns and like 10 interceptions and just be extremely efficient. So uh, I think Wilson's a, a sharp bet here. Jill, did you have Wilson as one of your picks as well? I thought it was a long shot and it's like, no, this is one of my best bets. So kudos to you over the last six seasons, around 32 touchdowns per game. And again, in an offense that I don't want to call it broken, but just is not really a high end potential because of the propensity of how much they run. But then of course you're looking at his completion percentages and it's increasing year over year and two young hungry wide receivers playing arguably with the best offensive line he's probably had since the early Legion of Boom days. Like it's going to give him more scramble opportunities because really the knock on the bet is Wilson going to continue to rush and try to get out of the pocket. Like you see what his completion percentages are when he rolls out of the pocket as opposed to throwing in the pocket. But I think having guys like Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, it's going to keep, keep those defenses honest. I do prefer Russ over Kirk Cousins in this, in this market. Yeah. So Kirk Cousins is my other play here at plus 2000. So he's at 6.2% touchdown the last three years. Again, six is a very good number already. But if you look at the guys that played through Kevin O'Connell offense, Matt Stafford 
jump from 4.5% in his career touchdown rate to 6.8 last year. So big jump for him in efficiency. Jared Goff going out of that offense dropped from 4.4, you know, not, not great. That's why he's gone, but even further down to 3.8 last year. So if you figure Kirk's touchdown rate goes up some, I have him at 39. That's kind of right around the cutoff, the 40 that we're looking for. Again, I don't know that we have a monster ceiling, but Jefferson, Adam Thielen, both really big touchdown threats. Matt Stafford had 41 last year. So Cousins at 20 to one here, I think is in play. Uh, Raybon, do you like Cousins better for a touchdown or a passing yardage? Which one do you think you'd be better in play here? I'd probably go with touchdowns. It's a higher variance outcome, right? So yeah. he's he's got the same odds for both at, at 20 to one, but touchdowns, like you mentioned the touchdown rates, the league average is usually around four and a half, but you'll see a guy jump to nine in a given year. Whereas the league average in yards per attempt or or just yards per game, let's say, you know, yeah. it might be 300 or, at the top, <laughs> but no one's go, passing for 600 yards, <laughs> right? Again, right. so given the same odds, this is a, a spot where you want to take advantage of the variance. Now, if you're, you're in a different market or you're just, you know, you're trying to find a median outcome, you might look at it differently. But in terms of this market, you're trying to have uh, an outlier. You're looking for an outlier touchdowns are more likely to give you an outlier result much more likely that's why we don't really bet um passing yards during the season at least i don't you know it's like it's very kind of uh low variance it's not a lot of edge even if you think a line is off by like seven yards you know it's 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 not a lot but uh touchdowns yeah i think you go with the 20 to 1 for the touchdowns over the yardage yeah that makes sense to me all right let's go to interceptions uh brandon you know, it used to be in, in, in the 20s every year, the top guy would, would throw in, in terms of interceptions. Now it's kind of come down. And I also think the books have gotten sharper because I remember I used to just bet like everyone's interception under because they would start week one, of course, because of course they would. And then, you know, anyone gets hurt, misses like a game or two and you win your bets. But now I think that the, the books have wisened up a little bit. So tell me what you're looking for here. Yeah, I think you're dead on with that. I think probably like 15 interceptions is the number that we're looking for. Probably not in the 20s unless, you know, Jameis Winston puts up another God season with 30 picks again. <laughs> like that's going to beat everyone for sure. But yeah, the problem with this one and what makes this interesting, but I think fun is you need a guy who's bad enough to throw a lot of interceptions, but not going to get benched so that he can keep throwing interceptions. And that's the key. So it's tricky. You can see a guy and be like, oh, well, like Jameis, for example, can Jameis be so bad to lead the league in interceptions? Or if he's throwing that many interceptions, are they just going to bench him and put Andy Dalton in or, or try something else? Start running the ball 40 times a game or that sort of thing. And some teams can do that. Other teams are going to be like, nah, man, we, we got to let Trevor Lawrence let it rip. We're going to have to let him throw and just see how he learns and where we go with this. So again, I agree. I, I used to love this market. The books feel a lot sharper here. So guys like Davis Mills, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, guys that I have right near the top and all over 15 interceptions, they're also our, our leaders here. The one guy that's not yet, and I wrote about this right after he got named the starter, I think this may be a controversial pick, but I'm going with Baker Mayfield at 16 to 1. <laughs> so the controversy here is, is Baker going to actually play all 17 games? And that's the problem. I like that Matt Corral is out and Sam Darnold is hurt. I mean, I don't like that for them. I wish them all the best. I hope they have happy and healthy lives. But for my bet, that gives me a much better chance that Baker actually plays. This is not really a team that has that much invested in Darnold to feel like they need to roll him back out there and 
I just think Baker is a much better quarterback than Sam Darnold. However, he throws a lot of interceptions. So he's at a career 2.9% interception rate, which is quite high. He is an aggressive, risky sort of passer. The thing I like here, only for this bet, is Ben McAdoo. The new offensive coordinator is just horrible as a coordinator because he skews incredibly pass-heavy, which should be good, but is just never efficient. So I thought initially, okay, well, Baker's going to get a ton of attempts. Give me the yards. Give me the, you know, give me everything. I'm not sure he's going to get there with anything else, but Carolina already had 600 attempts last year. I think they get to 650 plus with McAdoo running the offense. So Baker Mayfield, 650 attempts. If he actually plays all year, 2.9% interception rate. I actually have Baker throwing 19 picks, which is my highest projected total. And so at 16 to one, he's a pretty clear play for me. Joe, what do you think? I'm going with tried and true. I'm going to go with Stafford, Matthew Stafford at 20 to one. Uh, obviously he finished last season with the most inter- or tied, at least with Trevor Lawrence at 17. Uh, eighth in total pass attempts last year with the second most yards per attempt. So I like the fact that he'll, he will sling it. Um, and a workhorse, like rarely misses games, even with all the injuries that have been coming out of training camp. Like, you know, he needed back surgery in 2019. We can forgive him for that, you know, missing eight games, but he's played every game since that. Um, and one of the things, if you just look at his track record, even with the Lions and with the Rams, 10 or more interceptions in all, but two seasons that he's played and those seasons that he didn't reach 10, they were both injury seasons where he missed like over half the season. So, and already dealing with some injuries in, in training camp, you know, with the elbow and some rib injuries, there's random ailments just always popping up. It seems like with him every week. Um, another thing too, with Trevor Lawrence and him, one of the things that they had in common, one of the things that I look for is what are the multi-pick games? Like how many multi-interception games did you have over a course of a season? And both of them had five games with multiple interceptions. To me, it just shocks me that the odds are this high. I like 20 to one. I figured he would probably be, you know, maybe fourth or fifth on the list. He's like probably like eighth of all quarterbacks. Um, and really the only reason I'm not kind of thinking about endorsing like a second mortgage style of bet on this <laughs> is just the injury risk of missing games. Because if for whatever reason, he just takes a bad shot in the pocket, you know, then I just don't see much of a drop off, like where they would have to feel like they would need to put John Wofford in there for a series or whatever. So for me, I think Stafford at 20 to one is the best value just based on opportunity. And, and the fact that he likely won't get benched because this team is all in on everybody, everybody who's starting. Yeah, that's, that's really a key. It's, and you know, it's, it's not getting benched and it's, it's, it's a quarterback like Stafford. He's not going to run either. So you're going to maximize like your time in the pocket and, uh, you know, row the ball, you know, some of these other quarterbacks that like you think, you know, like Zach Wilson, even Trevor Lawrence, like these guys can scramble uh, a little bit more. So, um, you know, that it's not conducive to to leading the league. Even though Lawrence did it obviously last year. Uh, Brandon, any uh, any other long shots? Yeah, I do have one long shot. This is even more of like a, a stash and wait a couple of weeks perhaps to play a long shot. And that's because it's Kenny Pickett. So Pickett is 50 to one right now. If I could bet on a Pittsburgh quarterback, like remember the old video games where they didn't have licensing and they just had to call the quarterback Pittsburgh quarterback. Like if I could bet on <laughs> like, Pittsburgh like Michael Jordan in the, in the, in yeah, the NBA yeah, exactly. Games. Yeah. Number 23, yeah, whoever <laughs> this guy is, that's the best player in the game for the NBA game. I, we don't know, but it's probably Michael Jordan. If I could bet on Kenny Pickett as Pittsburgh quarterback, I would love this one. Matt Canada, not a fan has been number four in attempts last year, number one in passing attempts the year before. We'll see what it looks like without Ben Roethlisberger, but they've been airing it out and throwing a ton of passes. 
if you play a rookie, do you pass less? I don't know. They have great receivers and they're going to probably want to keep airing it out. But if he does play, the offensive line is very bad. He's a rookie quarterback, was never a huge interception problem at Pittsburgh. He never even had 10 in a season, but this is the pros. So you get 650 attempts if you get there and you just get a lot of chances for mistakes, interceptions. He's not going to have a lot of time to throw. And he's a guy that that's a problem for him. He holds the ball a long time. So I project Pittsburgh quarterback as 18 interceptions, which is only one off of my lead. If you get Pickett at 50 to one, and then he maybe gets in by like week three or something like that, it wouldn't be that hard to say, okay, Trubisky stinks out of the gate, throw some interceptions, whatever. Then I think Pickett, if he gets in there soon enough, would be in play here. What do you think? Am I just way out of bounds on that one? I like I like the thought process. I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways you can attack some of these rookie quarterback uh, markets, you know, with in terms of guys who aren't necessarily going to be the starter on day one. You know, there's long odds for pretty much anything. I mean, um, you know, all of these markets. So I, I do like it. I think I think Pittsburgh is a little more run heavy this year. But I think if Pickett particularly uh, starts, I think they do go more pass heavy because I think that would indicate that they're comfortable mm-hmm. enough with him, you know, and cause like, if you're uh, using Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback, like you're starting Trubisky, you're not, you're going to, you're going to have to dial it back a little. Like we, we know that. <laughs> uh, but if you're starting Pickett now, it's just like, okay, like it could be like Justin Herbert versus Tyrod Taylor. You know, it was like when they had Tyrod Taylor, they weren't going to throw that much, but once they got Herbert, it was like, okay, now, you know, we trust this guy. So we're just going to let it rip. So uh, I, I like the thought process actually. You got anyone you like for interceptions? I just go back to Stafford um, because I think, you know, you look at his turnover worthy play rate last year and it was near the top of the league uh, at 3.7%. And, you know, interceptions are going to be high variant. So I think, again, getting a guy like, like Jill said, who is kind of underpriced due to the market, um, you know, even though he led the market and, and when you look at some of the underlying numbers, he had a reason to, uh, I like it. I think, you know, an interesting one, one more is Josh Allen, because he actually had 45 more attempts than Stafford and a similar turnover play rate at 3.4%. And, and like, you know, Josh Allen is, is just, and that Bill's offense is just so sexy that like, we didn't even realize that he averaged 6.8 yards per attempt last year <laughs> and threw 15 picks. So, like, you know, like the, like the offense can look good and, and like, you know, I love me some Gabe Davis, but the numbers can still be kind of shaky at the end of the day, some of the efficiency metrics. So I think Josh Allen's like a dark horse because for him to be able to throw, uh, you know, 646 passes and, it's, and he still scrambles, uh, it just showed you how many pass attempts that were there. Uh, he dropped back 724 times in these 17 games. So I think he's interesting at 20 to one as well. Yeah. I had Alan as actually my second pick after, uh, uh, after Baker Mayfield. And then I just, I, I just deleted off our Google doc right before we started. Here. But <laughs> yeah. I think you want to be careful to just be like, Oh, well it can't be Josh Allen. He's too good. Last year, Patrick Mahomes was in play for this one all the way up yeah. until the end, like more and more Stafford, Allen, Mahomes coaches are trusting these guys, but like, go ahead like make the aggressive throw. You're good enough that we're going to overcome it. I don't mind if we make a mistake here and there, which is a change from what we've seen. Don't play Aaron Rodgers. Don't play Russell Wilson. They don't play that way. But some of these huge arm aggressive guys, you could take a chance at them here. So I like the Allen thought. Yeah. And you don't even have to be super aggressive in terms of like every throw is downfield. 
you just have to have a lot of attempts because yeah. for example, when I, when I project interceptions, you know, every stat has a different regression to the mean in terms of, you know, how much, how many attempts worth of regression are you going to add to it? You know, from whatever numbers you're using and for interceptions, it's usually like over a thousand attempts. So just put that in perspective, you know, like, you're going to take Patrick Mahomes is let's say his, you know, interception rate from the last three years, but then you're going to add like another thousand attempts of league average to whatever his real numbers were. And like, everyone's going to come out nearly the same. So it's just going to come down to how many attempts you're getting. And uh, you know, Allen Mahomes, the good quarterbacks are the guys generally that these coaches feel comfortable uh, dropping back, you know, 50 times a game. Look at Tom Brady. I mean, the guy's, you know, 44 years old. He threw like what dropped back like 750 times last year. So uh, you know, that, that's how you got to kind of look at this market. Let's go to rushing yards. And uh, where are we looking for the target number in, in this one, you know, with running backs, you know, always kind of getting hurt. Medium projections are pretty useless in this one in yeah. particular. So my top play here is Rashad Penny. So Seattle running back 50 to one. Seattle had whoever their lead running back was last year, had 10 or more carries and all but one game. They just had three guys. So we didn't really notice it was spread out. If you played fantasy, you noticed because the last five games of the season, Rashad Penny was winning the leagues for you. Last five games, he averaged 18 carries, 135 yards. So that's pace for 306 carries, 2,281 yards over a season. Obviously, five games don't just magically pace to 17, but you see the upside there. We know Seattle's going to run a lot. Rashad Penny's a really talented runner. Like he, he might be a top five talent in the league. So if he gets a lot of chances, he was at 6.3 yards a carry last year, so we're not getting that again. But high volume, good yards per carry, run-heavy team. It's not a great line. It's not a great offense. You don't have a quarterback there. So I understand the case against it, but I think he's in line to be the bell cow there. I project him around 13, 1350 as far as yardage goes. So that puts him in play. You know, you bust off one big long run or two, and then he's right in there. So I like Rashad Penny, 50 to 1. He's my favorite play here. You know, it's health with him, too, because he's missed. I think it's over 40 percent of his career games. Uh, you know, so that's kind of why I think they they, yeah. they went out and gotten Walker. So, you know, I like to think, you know, it's, it's it, we've seen him kind of do this for a period of time. Now it's just can he do this over a, a longer period of time? Are they going to be a winning team? That's my biggest concern with taking a guy <laughs> like Penny is just if you're going to be down 20 at halftime every like nearly every game, you're likely going to abandon the run. And there's just only a few running backs in the league where they're just teams are so stubborn that they'll still run them down three scores. And that's kind of my only issue. But as far as the upside is concerned and those odds, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. My, my counterpoint to that would be Pete Carroll. <laughs> there's only so many coaches who are stubborn and will keep on running. And I think Pete Carroll might actually be one of them. So you're right. The Seattle is not going to be good. Uh, I, that is definitely a problem. One guy who stands out to me, it's not sexy because it's the team again, is not going to be a good team, but Saquon Barkley at 25 to one. I mean, he's a lot, he's got longer odds than a lot of these guys. He's got the same odds as JK Dobbins. Uh, that that's kind of ridiculous, you know? Yeah. So uh, Saquon Barkley, if he's healthy, I think he's going to to go, get back to that 80, 90 percent snap share in that offense. And, you know, we saw, for example, even Dable, you know, gave you know, Devin Singletary down the stretch. You know, once he gave up on 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 Zach Moss and everybody, 
Devin Singletary was out there every single snap. And I think there's a chance that Barkley, you know, starts the year like that and just continues. So I really think that's what you're looking for. I mean, I think even a guy like Najee Harris at 20 to one, you know, is, is in play because everyone's going to point to the offensive line and, you know, how good is Pittsburgh going to be this and that. But at the end of the day, Najee Harris is going to get 85, 90% of those backfield carries uh, in, in most weeks. So uh, it's, it's really, that's all it comes down to, uh, for me in, in this market is just how high a percentage of the snap share can you get uh, for the entire year? Yeah, that makes sense. I like Saquon too. I like how they upgraded their offensive line. I think the tackles are really kind of coming into play for them there. So that yeah. helps them. The other one I like here, just as a sprinkling, the long shot, Cream Hunt, 150 to one. You're, you're basically betting on, will Nick Chubb go down in September? If he does, then you want that Cream Hunt ticket because he's suddenly going to be the guy with a great offensive line in a run-heavy team. If if Hunt suddenly disappeared, Nick Chubb would be the favorite to win this category, I think. And he's at 10-1 to 1 right now. Kareem Hunt is one injury away in a very volatile position. So that's the case is just if Chubb goes away for whatever reason, then I think Hunt becomes that high percentage play. Yeah, that's, I like that, that, that thought process as well. I mean, there's another guy I thought about, and he's kind of – he's it's already priced in that if the other guy goes down – but I think he's young enough, big enough, and he would have the workload to himself that he could do it. And that's AJ Dillon. I think AJ yeah. Dillon at 50 to one could, could handle like a year's worth of punishment and, you know, <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're going to still run the ball. They still have Aaron Rodgers. So you still have to respect the pass and he still should have a decent offensive line. So um, yeah, I, just, just kind of like the Browns because another team going to have to run, but should still be a solid overall team. Um, yeah. I, li- I like that call. Uh all right, let's jump to rushing touchdowns. And Jill, uh, going to you first on this one. Uh, you're the touchdown wizard here. How, what are you looking for in this one? I mean, really, it just comes down to two simple things, skill and opportunity. And this isn't a sexy pick at all. It's Derrick Henry at 7-1. to one. Uh, Even just over the last three seasons, uh, like last year, for example, he was on pace for almost 400, over 400 carries. Like, obviously, I don't think anybody is a human body can withstand that type of punishment. But if there is one, it's probably Derrick Henry. And he had 10 touchdowns in eight games. Uh, now, Jonathan Taylor, career year, 18 touchdowns, played nine more games, obviously. Probably, that's probably the best that we're ever going to see of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and, of course, the Titans offense, they're just very one-dimensional and even now especially with A.J. Brown gone I feel like they're even going to lean into the run even more and over the last three seasons Derrick Henry has led the league in red zone carries inside the 10-yard line and outside of last season where he's I think 11th in eight games (laughs) so just imagine if it was a full game sample Uh, and then even just look at how he's performed against higher end teams that are have good defensive fronts like even last year he scored three touchdowns versus Buffalo um you know, 10 of 17 games upcoming this year are teams that were bottom 15 in the NFL and rushing touchdowns allowed. Uh, he could have eight touchdowns just combined in four games against the Jags and Texans, like with the way that their defensive line shape up. Uh, now, barring injury, I think he'll finish with at least 16 touchdowns. And is that enough? I mean, we shall see. But I mean, entering last season, I just kind of look at what the odds were where if he was entering as a healthy candidate, he was around plus 250 for this category this year. Now he's seven to one. And of course, if you just look at the week-to-week touchdown odds, this is another thing that I'm looking at from an indicator. The main running backs that get the, the highest odds are like a minus 200 or more week-to-week are Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry. So if only three backs are kind of getting those odds out of those three, 
Dalvin Cook, I don't really trust from an injury perspective standpoint, just because he hasn't shown the ability to stay on the field for a full season. And basically it's coming down to whether or not I'm going to feel good about Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry. I'm going to go with the higher odds of Derrick Henry at seven to one. I mean, can't argue with Derrick Henry. He's just no. absurd. And and he's another guy too, who you never really have to worry about him losing any kind of key carries. I mean, he was, he averaged 27 carries per game last year. <laughs> I mean, I, like, you know, like, no wonder he, he had a whole season's worth of carries in eight games. Like, you know, he, he, he ran 219 times in, in those eight games. So uh, yeah, the upside is certainly there. Uh, Brandon, what about you? Yeah, so I'm looking for probably 15 touchdowns here. We've had three years in a row with at least three guys at 15 or more. So basically, you just need to average a touchdown a game. You need to score a lot of touchdowns here. Obviously, I think Henry and Taylor are the two guys that are right at the top. But again, for me, if I'm looking at, the, we usually have a bunch of guys who end up at 12, 14, 16, all in that same range. It's just, it's so close. I can't bring myself to bet on a five to one, a seven to one favorite when it's going to come down to like, what if Henry didn't get eight touchdowns in those four games? What, what if he missed one game against Houston and that was going to be three touchdowns and now he finishes at 13 instead of 15 and is out of this one. So I think too, you mentioned the injuries with Dalvin Cook. Cook misses a couple games a year, but Derrick Henry is an older, bigger back coming off of a major injury. For me, even though he's only had the one injury, I think that the injury risk is much bigger with him where you can miss a game or two, but with Henry, you might miss a chunk again. So again, with running backs, I just am trying to play some long shots because for me, rather than take like a seven to one, I'd rather play three or four guys and get a few lottery tickets together and kind of get a position where I'm like, All right, I'm 10 to one on any of these four guys winning. So I mentioned Rashad Penny. I like him here too, 60 to one here. He had six touchdowns in that last five-game stretch that I mentioned. So, again, Seattle not going to score a lot of points, so that's a really easy case against him. But 60-1, to I don't mind the shot. My favorite guy here, though, and this one I really like, Josh Jacobs, Mm -hmm. 50-1 to for the Raiders. Now, let's be clear. I do not like Josh Jacobs, the player. I don't think he's a very good runner. Here's what I do like. He's had 28 rushing touchdowns in 43 games. So he's a guy that they go to pretty often near the goal line. Obviously, it's a new scheme, new system, but that's what I like here. Josh McDaniels comes over from New England, and I always, in rushing touchdowns, look for some Patriot that I can play here. New England, year after year, is top three in rushing touchdowns. It's insane. They love to rush for touchdowns when they get near the goal line. Is that Belichick? Is it McDaniels? We don't know. We'll find out. But you have the Raiders, who we all expect to score a lot of points. We expect that to happen in the air, but if McDaniel sticks with the rushing theme, you get an offense that scores a lot of points. You got Jacobs, probably, we know, even if he's not an efficient runner, even if he loses some carries to some of the other guys there, I think he's going to be their goal line guy. So I could see a James Conner sort of year here for Jacobs, Mm -hmm. where it's like, all right, it's not really pretty, but we're going to get a lot of rushing touchdowns. I think he can get in that 13 to 15 range, so... 50 to one. He's probably my favorite long shot bet on the whole podcast here. Absolutely. I love this play. This is, I've been talking about this for a while. Like Josh Jacobs in this offense with a quarterback who's never been known for throwing touchdowns. It's perfect. And then you have Josh McDaniels. I mean, Damian Harris was third in the league and he only had a 202 carries last year. You know, he was, there's, there's just always, like you said, a Josh McDaniels. I remember when Garrett Blunt used to <laughs> used to uh, put up touchdowns as well. It's just 
it's just what they do. And Jacobs is fairly young too. You know, you mentioned kind of the injury risk. Uh, what is this is age 24 season or something like that? 25. Uh, Jacobs is not like an older guy either. So uh, I think it sets up perfectly. Uh, yeah. It's going to be his age 24 season this year for Josh Jacobs. So I think it sets up perfectly uh, for him. I mean, he had nine touchdowns last year and 217 carries for, you know, middling Raiders offense. And uh, he's, he's always kind of played, he's never missed. He's never played a full season, but he's also never missed a ton of games. So uh, yeah, I love Josh Jacobs. I think that is the play uh, in this market. But uh, Jill, any other any other guys you're looking at? Yeah, I've got a long shot here, and this is one of those hear me out scenarios. Uh, it's Jalen Hurts at twenty five to one. Ten touchdowns in fifteen games last year. He's playing with the best eh, top three. I'll just say top three. I don't want to give the Eagles too much credit. One of the best O lines in football. Um, and has shown that he will call his own number at the goal line instead of handing it off to Sanders, you know, Boston Scott, uh, Kenneth Gainwell. And he led the team in red zone carries with 31 last year, all quarterbacks in red zone carries last year, 22 carries inside the 10. That's the same as Nick Chubb, more than Ezekiel Elliott, more than Najee Harris. He had more, he had uh, five more touchdowns than Lamar Jackson on only five more carries for the year. Um, 10 touchdowns in 15 games. And I just think that there's a lot of potential, especially with the defenses that they're going to be playing this year at 25 to one. I'm going to be sprinkling on that for sure. All right, let's jump to, uh, let's jump to receiving yards and, uh, Brandon, I'll start with you. Who are you looking at in, in this market? Well, first of all, what's, what's the kind of target and then who are you looking at? Yeah. So we know we need at least 90 yards a game. That's 1500 yards over the season. We've had at least three guys do that in the last five years and probably going to need hundred yards a game. So that's easy math, 1700 yards. We've had that in four or five seasons. For me, this is a spot where I do bet a favorite because my receiving yards projection leader is Justin Jefferson. That's my pick 10 to one. And I have Jefferson, not just as my projected leader, he is way out ahead of the field on this one. And that's why I like him as a favorite. I have Jefferson at 190 targets, 130 catches, 1,850 yards projected as a high-end outcome. Now, it's never great to just project someone to put up nearly 2,000 yards, I get, but I love what Jefferson could be for Kevin O'Connell in this offense. Basically, look, we know what Cooper Cup did a year ago, and Jefferson is going to be in that Cooper Cup sort of role, I think, now, where they're moving him around the field. They're going to have him play in the slot sometimes, where he played at LSU and was awesome. The other thing too, Cooper Cup had a 76% catch rate last year. Jefferson was only 65. So if the targets go up and he gets more efficient, now you get some more catches and his yardage per attempt or yards per catch has always been really good. So I have Jefferson 1,850 yards. That is my next closest receiver is 1,500. So that is a sizable margin. And that's why here is why I'm willing to bet on a favorite. So Jefferson 10 to one. And uh, spoiler here, he will not. This will not be my last Justin Jefferson play on the board either. Yeah, this is one of those markets where it's hard to kind of get away from the favorites. Just kind of looking around the league, uh, Joe. Anyone you like in, in this one? The only counter with that, and again, I love Jefferson. I think uh, I think it's still a solid play. I just worry about in that offense how much. Cousins just favors Thielen, especially like in short gain situations. I just find a lot of the time, uh, like if you look at the last four years since uh, Thielen and Cousins have been together, uh, 12 touchdowns in 16 games in the week one to week four stretch, like he clearly has been favoring him in that spot. Uh, but from a yardage standpoint, I'm going to be looking at another LSU Tiger, but uh, more for the touchdown side of things. 
right. Yeah. I, you know, for this, for this market, like I, I love Jamar Chase in, in, in terms of receiving yards. Like if I'm going off Jefferson, uh, I think Jamar Chase, you know, right there at, uh, at 10 to one as well. I, I really like him. And I think, you know, for a longer shot, Michael Pittman uh, is a guy that I keep coming back to. He's 50 to one. And, you know, the thing with Michael Pittman is they're already talking about like throwing a ball more this year. And Michael Pittman pretty much of all receivers runs like the most routes per dropback. He was on the field like 96% uh, of their routes last year. He has zero competition for targets and Matt Ryan year in year out before he got saddled with that atrociousness of a squad last year, (laughs) every year he had a guy uh, in the top six in, in receiving yards. And you like, remember Calvin Ridley going into year three, you know, didn't quite know what to expect with him. And then, you know, he's right there at the end of the year. I think he finished with 1374. Uh, but uh, it, it kind of reminds me of Pittman here. It's like, you know, we just think of the Colts as this run heavy team and, but you know, a couple of injuries, you know, maybe Shaq Leonard doesn't quite uh, heal right or something like that. Now you have Matt Ryan, you're not going to be shy about throwing the ball a lot. And uh, I think that so I think Pittman is a guy that, that I kind of look out for as a uh, as a, a long shot, especially because, you know, looking at his just reception, perception data and things like that, he just gets open. And I think what's been holding him back more more than anything. Uh, well, at least last year was Carson Wentz. So uh, Pittman, for me, any uh, long shots that, that you like sprinkling in this market, Brandon? Yeah, there will there'll be no Carson Wentz slander on this podcast here today. But I, I like the Pittman play. He's clearly the guy there for Indianapolis. The only reason I wouldn't bet on him is just I, I worry about the run-heavy thing. So I'm looking for guys here, my two long shots, where I'm hoping for more pass-heavy. So I'll take a Steeler. I'll take Deontay Johnson at 40-1. to 1. Kind of the same case I made where, you know, Matt Canada, airing it out. They're going to get a lot of passing attempts, even if it drops a little bit. Deontay Johnson's been around 10 targets a game each of the last two years. One thing I like with him and what you'd be betting on, so his yards per catch the last two years was only 10.5 and 10.9. So that's terrible. You're not going to win yards leader with that. However, maybe that was just Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe that noodle arm could only get the ball out five yards down the field. So what if you get a quarterback to actually get it down the field? Trubisky and Pickett have been doing that in preseason. And if you jump, you know, give him give him 100 receptions, 110 receptions like he's been getting, but jump the yards per catch to 12, we're at 1,300 yards. Jump it at 12 and a half, we're getting close to 1,400. So I think that's the angle with him. The other one I like, and I'm surprised how little this guy's been talked about, is Amon Ross St. Brown of the Lions. So he's 80 to 1 here. He had a monster closing stretch. So last six games of the year, he had 51 catches, 60 or 51 catches and five touchdowns, over 600 yards. He had eight catches in all of them. He projected over the season to 145 catches, almost 1,600 yards from that pace. Again, pacing only works so well when you're at six games, but they added DJ Chark. They'll get Jamison Williams eventually, but that wasn't just a random stretch. That was Ben Johnson taking over at offensive coordinator, and they opened up a lot more passing down the stretch. Hawkinson was out, so he's going to have to share the ball a little bit more now, but I think Sam Brown has really been slept on. To me, he is a monster sleeper in some of these categories, but I don't know. I'm surprised the number is not higher here. And even like in fantasy football, he's not higher. So am I missing something with him? 
I mean, I love me some Amara St. Brown. That was one of my favorite sleepers last year. And it looked dead in the water halfway through, too. <laughs> but uh, I think the reason he's so high here is average depth of targets like seven. So it's it's he's probably just not going to be that guy going down the field. Whereas, uh, you know, some of these other guys, like even if, you know, even like, like you mentioned with Deontay, his average depth of targets been low, too. But he's kind of that guy. He's kind of their, still their number one guy. He can get open down the field. Um, I'm on Ross A. Brown. I, th- I just think he, he's going to be used as more of like a slot guy where they have DJ Chark and then Jamison Williams are going to run those deeper routes. So that's probably why he's there. Like, I think I'm on Ross St. Brown is actually, uh, probably a better play in the receptions market, which we'll, yeah. uh, we'll close up with at the end, but let's, let's jump to receiving touchdowns. Uh, Jill, uh, who do you like in this one? Yeah, we kind of touched on it a second ago, Chris. And, uh, I really like Jamar Chase. At nine to one, uh, I'm very high on the Bengals and him this year. I, for example, I really like him to win Offensive Player of the Year this year at thirty to one. But let's just talk about receiving touchdowns. So touchdown wise, finished with thirteen touchdowns last year, which was three less than Cooper Cup on seventy less targets. I think that's important to know. He was nineteenth overall in targets as a rookie. Again, I just think that there's so much room for potential, especially from uh, the short game and then as well in the red zone. Uh, Only had 12 passes to him inside the 20 last year with seven catches uh, in 2021. That's 51st on the list for all pass catchers in the NFL. So if we even just say we double that and put him maybe in the top 20, it's just that much more upside and more potential for touchdowns. And another thing that I'm looking at too, and this is a hedge opportunity of why I'm on Burrow and then also taking Chase from a receiving touchdown standpoint. Over the last four seasons, the quarterback that throws the most touchdowns or the second most touchdowns, their top wide receiver also finishes first or second in receiving touchdowns. Now, that doesn't sound like a a huge leap to think, but if you just look at the last four years, Tom Brady was first last year. Mike Evans was second. Matthew Stafford was second. Cooper Cup was first. Then you just look back in 2020, Aaron Rodgers was first. Devontae Adams was first and receiving touchdowns. In 2019, Lamar Jackson was first. Mark Andrews was second. Mahomes was first in 2018. Tyreek Hill was second in 2018. So there is a natural correlation there that if you throw a lot of touchdowns, your wide receiver one is likely going to be the biggest beneficiary as a result. And all reports are that he looks incredible in training camp. The connection with Burrow is, to me, it's undeniable. I'm going with Jamar Chase to lead the league in touchdowns at 9-1. to I like it. I mean, I, I just see this monster season coming for Jamar Chase. If he can stay healthy, like it, it's like, you could see 2000 yards. You could see, you could see 20 touchdowns or you could see a straight up Randy Moss type season uh, coming. Brandon, who you got receiving touchdowns. So this is my favorite pick in the entire podcast. I feel like I said that three times, but if you're only making one bet and you want a ticket, that's going to pay off Mike Evans, eight to one receiving touchdowns is my guy. Uh, look, Jill kind of just made the case for Mike Evans here. Tom Brady is the favorite to lead the league in passing touchdowns. We know Mike Evans is a huge red zone threat. He scored 13 touchdowns two years ago, 14 last year. So with Tom Brady, he's getting the touchdowns each year. Chris Godwin is out for a while. Rob Gronkowski is retired or retired until he unretires. Antonio Brown is not there. Gronk and Brown were big red zone threats last year. Godwin less so, but it's another name that like, they're going to be feeding Mike Evans, I think, in the red zone. And Brady is great getting him the ball down there. I think Mike Evans should be, uh, I would put him, if I was setting lines, he would be the, the most favorite of any one of these categories. Uh, I have him at 15 projected touchdowns, and I have anyone else above 12. So that doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a 25% advantage on everyone else on the list. So plus 800, to me, he's a clear favorite here, and this is my favorite bet on the board. 
Yeah, and thing I love Mike Evans because he just doesn't really get hurt, and he, you just know what you're going to get from him every single week, week in, week out, and he doesn't have to catch – uh, even a lot of passes or get a lot of yards to get a lot of touchdowns. Like me and Sean always joke, Sean Kerner, uh, that, you know, Mike Evans stat, like go-to stat line, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like that, the Mike Evans special. So I uh, uh, can't hate on that one at all. Um, I, I know I, I see, I see you have a couple long shots here and I, I love them. So, uh, talk, talk to me about those Brandon. Yeah. So first long shot, Adam Thielen, 40 to one, and I, I agree with what Jill said. I think that Thielen is a real threat in the red zone. He's been a big touchdowns guy. And so I don't want to bet Jefferson here. I actually would bet Thielen because I think that they're about even. I have them both around 12 touchdowns, but the number is obviously way better for Thielen. He had 10 last year and only played 13 games. So, you know, we'll see. He's a little bit older. We need him to stay healthy for us for the most part. But that's pace for 13 last year. We're expecting more touchdowns. We talked about Kirk Cousins and the Kevin O'Connell offense. So I think that he has a real chance to be in a play here. Always a big touchdown guy. And then I like Cortland Sutton at 60 to one. To me, Cortland Sutton is the new DK Metcalf. So DK Metcalf had 10 and 12 touchdowns the last two years. Sutton is the guy that's getting all the hype out of Denver. Jerry Judy, the inside, you know, guy running the, the inside routes. That's not Russell Wilson's game. Russell Wilson wants to just air it out down the sideline. And I think there's not a lot of options. It's going to have to be Sutton, I think, in Denver. So his targets should bounce back up with the real quarterback. It's second year back from injury. We know that that helps as well. And I just think that he could be a really big threat. So Thielen 40 to one and Sutton 60 to one. Yeah. I love that thinking because I think you go back to like, who, who are we kind of thinking about as some longer shots for uh, most touchdowns. And then Jill, as you talked about, there's a correlation there. So I really, I really like Thielen and, and Sutton because I really like cousins and Wilson in that market. So uh, I think, you know, it perfectly lines up and Thielen. I mean, it's kind of like Josh Jacobs. It's like if these, these, there's certain players, I don't know if it's because of fantasy or, or what, but it's like, they just get written off. And I feel like they're still very, you know, like very, like they're not, they might not be like the, the best players at their positions, but they're still very good players that can do certain things well and score touchdowns uh, is definitely one of them for both of them. So uh, I think uh, I think those are the kind of guys that, that we should be betting on. Uh, let's close it out with receptions. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll recap uh, guys' best bets. But uh, in this receptions market, Brandon, uh, where are we looking at? I, I know we want, you know, probably like at least six catches a game, right? Yeah, at least six a game. That's basically 100 catches. We've had 10 or 12 guys do that every year. So that's not going to be enough. We're going to need probably 125. The last four years, our winners had at least 125 catches. We've had a Michael Thomas year. We had Cooper Cup. You get like 150 almost. If that's the case, we have no way to project that forward. So you know, I think 125 is a good number to target. I have two guys on my board that I project at 130 catches. And I've talked about both of them already. My favorite here is Justin Jefferson, 10 to 1. Again, I have him at 130 catches, 1,850 yards. I will say, if you're only going to play one of them, I like yards better than receptions because I think that he's going to have a high yards per catch and get that long play. So if you only pick one, yardage a little better for him. My other guy here, and you hinted at this earlier, Raybon, Amon Ross St. Brown, this is the spot to play him. 40 to 1, so it's not as juicy of odds as the 80 to 1 on yards, but that's because the receptions can be there even if the A dot is not there. So... I project him, well, that, that closing stretch projects him to 145 catches. That's over over six games, so projected out. That's not quite fair. 
But I think 130 would be totally in play there with the way that Johnson opened up that offense. And I'm not really that afraid of DJ Chark stealing a lot of looks. Jameson Williams, we don't know if or when he'll play at all. So I think Honorak could get a lot of target share in that offense and a lot of those, but you know, short, easy looks. Like you said, seven yards per target. I don't really care. You can get zero yards per target. You can get all sorts of bubble screens and one yard outs and whatever you want to do. Just give me those receptions. So 40 to one, uh, he's another long shot I really like here. Yeah, and you kind of see it, right? Like the odds, you know, they're, they're they're cut in half when you look at this market. And I think that's that's kind of the right way to do it, though, because it's still 40 to one. It's still not a lot of people are going to be uh, thinking about him or betting on him. So, uh, and he, again, it's the ADOT actually helps in this situation, too. It's You yeah. want low ADOT because low ADOT passes are higher efficiency. Like the, there's a linear relationship between how far down the field a quarterback throws the ball and his completion percentage, right? So if Amon Ross St. Brown's catching the ball seven yards down the field, he's going to catch, you know, 80, 85% of those balls yep. that he's catching with, with like seven yards or fewer. And then obviously it'll go down as for some of his deeper targets, but uh, that that's really what you want in this kind of market. Joe, any thoughts on uh, Amon Ra? Uh, I think Amon Ra, I think my biggest issue is who's throwing him the ball. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be a hater, but uh, Jared Goff just doesn't do it for me. Uh, again, not really a sexy pick for receptions, but so much has been made about the connection between Carr and Devontae Adams. That Devontae Adams at 10 to 1 is really kind of standing out to me as where I really feel like just from a passing attempt standpoint, they're going to force it to him a lot. They paid him so much money to come there. Um, the amount of draft capital they gave up, they're not just going to use him as a decoy. I think he could probably lead the league in receptions as a result. Don't necessarily mean that translates to winning, but I do feel like from a reception standpoint, if he plays all 17, he's going to be right there in the top three. Yeah, you know, I mean, Devontae Adams is always, you know, he gets open. He just gets open yeah. so much that it's it, it kind of goes without saying. But I really do like that uh, Amara Ross St. Brown call. I think that's the one guy, you know, that's really sticks out that far down the list. Everyone else, I think, is priced fairly correctly. You know, like I still like a lot of the same guys that that I would like in other markets or just, you know, how the way I would project them out. I mean, I think Keenan Allen at 16 to one uh, makes a lot of sense. I think Michael Pittman at 25 to one, but you know, there's nothing that really jumps out to me in the way that Amon Ra does uh, at 40 to one, a guy who's just, uh, and, and I think the lions are going to be a shootout team, by the way, let me, let yeah. me say that right now. Like their <laughs> offensive line is great. Uh, you know, all five guys are great on the offensive line. Their defense, their secondary is still going to be shaky. And that's even if Okuda kind of takes a, a week forward. And Jared Goff, I mean, you could hate on him, but his bread and butter is those, you know, underneath kind of short area throws. <laughs> like that's that's why a lot of people do hate on him because, he, you know, he's not a guy who's going to, you know, hold on to the ball. He's not a guy who's going to do a lot of damage down the field. But, you know, he gets, you know, a seven-yard pass. He can keep – you know, jacking those in there to Amon Ross. So uh, I, I really like that, that, that call. I think that's the guy that you want to be targeting uh, in this market. Uh, all right, let's, let's recap. Cause we went through a lot on this show. Uh, so let's recap best bets. Uh, Joe, I'll start with you. Uh, who are your best bets uh, for season leaders this year? Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals connection, going with Joe Burrow for most passing touchdowns and Jamar Chase at most receiving touchdowns. Burrow at 10 to one chase at nine to one really love 